There are three rules to a Flashback Flitz Retro Movie Podcast episode. The first rule, every movie's a miracle. If you don't have something nice to say, don't say anything at all. The second rule is we will mispronounce an actor's name at least once during every episode. Move past it. You know who we're talking about. And the third rule is that if there's a child actor in this movie, you know he's got to be recast by season one Luke from Modern Family. Enjoy some Don Quijitos. We have to go back! Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Flashback Flicks Retro Movie Podcast. I'm Ricky. I'm Grayson. And today, we are going to just find a quiet place to scream. Yeah, that makes sense. By reviewing the 1996 movie Scream. And we have along with us for this ride, our special guest, Kristen Eines. Hi. Welcome. Thanks for having me. Yeah. So for those of you who don't know, Kristen is a friend of ours. We've, I'm pretty <laughs> sure we've referenced her on the podcast before, uh, but you'll see why we have her on this episode very soon. So the movie Quiet Place is out, and as you probably heard at the end of last podcast, we thought, what better movie to review than Scream? Because it's the opposite of A Quiet Place. And you might think, why didn't we wait a week till it's Friday the 13th to do a movie like this? Well, that's because <laughs> we look at the calendar one week at a time. That's right. We just have one of those one-week calendars, and then we flip it when the week is over. Like, wait, what? Yeah, it's actually just seven Gary Larson cartoons <laughs> next to each other. Also, I want to give you guys some props because... You said Scream, and I thought, oh, yeah, Quiet Place is coming out, scary movie, scary movie. Just now, I'm getting the cleverness of Scream versus Quiet Place. Oh. Yeah. Levels. You guys have levels. That's our podcast, <laughs> Delayed Cleverness. Yeah, and you're the first to ever say that, so congratulations. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, so to get started, Kristen, I would love to give you the honors of giving a synopsis of the movie Scream. Just a synopsis. Okay. Um, Scream is about a small town where something horrible happened a year ago, and now horrible things are starting to happen again. A phone rings, people die. Do you like scary movies? That's great! <laughs> Whoa. I'm buying the ticket. That's amazing. You can't give everything away in the synopsis, no. right? Or do you want no. to? No. No. We often do, but no. <laughs> Spoilies for the discussion. Uh, movie was released in 96, uh, and screenwriter Kevin Williamson was partially inspired by real-life events. Uh, there was a Gainesville, Florida murder, uh, and there was a guy named the Gainesville Ripper. Uh, and he was also inspired by John Carpenter's 1978 horror classic, Halloween. Thus, the tons of Halloween references. Wes Craven got brought into the project originally he didn't want to because he thought the script was too scary weird thing for Wes Craven <laughs> to say huh uh, and the title was originally called scary movie for most of production but it was changed towards the end to scream because it's cleaner Drew Barrymore, uh, she, when she was originally in the movie, she was originally going to be like uh, Sydney's character, uh, but later on she dropped out because she just couldn't schedule-wise, but she decides to still stay in the movie to kind of have that reveal of like the star 
like dying spoiler alert in like the very first scene anything could happen anything could happen and something cinematically hasn't happened like that since psycho when uh i want to say jamie lee curtis's mom Mm -hmm. was starring in janet lee janet lee so that is that so this movie 90s caller id cell phones all these things weren't as prevalent then (laughs) because of this movie there were a lot more people who were wanting to have mobile phones in case something happened uh and caller id systems became very ubiquitous after the film came out so uh that's some history and context to the movie uh when it came out it was kind of a sleeper hit because it came out in december (laughs) Um, and it originally opened with 6.4 million, which the studio thought that it, you know, kind of failed in the box office. But it ended up making over a hundred million dollars in the U.S. and 173 million dollars gross after its production. And it, you know, it's a good movie because it made its way to Laserdisc. Oh, uh, <laughs> so it made its way to Laserdisc, VHS, and DVD. So that is Scream. Now, Kristen, since you are our guest, what do you remember about Scream? The first time I saw Scream was in a movie theater. Uh, but I was realizing it was my freshman year of high school. I was definitely not old enough. I was not 17 as a freshman to get into an R-rated movie. But I'm pretty sure I went with my older sister, who was old enough and got me in. Nice. And I remember seeing it a couple times in theater. Everyone was talking about it at the lockers in the hall. And then I've watched it lots of times since then. And Grayson, when was mm-hmm. the first time that you saw Scream? So the first and only time before this episode was at Kristen's house. Woo! <laughs> uh, what was that, like six or seven years ago? It was a while ago. It was long enough for me to forget how this movie ended. And we also, we didn't just watch Scream. No, we watched no, no. all the Scream movies. Back to back. to. Did we watch Scream 4? No, it wasn't out yet. We had uh, an unexpected trilogy night. Yeah. Oh, that's right. We watched the first one and then thought, let's keep going. That's right. A quadrilogy would have been uh, just excessive. (laughs) Uh, But yeah, we watched all three. So a lot of it kind of blurred together. And I don't really remember what happens in each one, um, which is kind of cool because this feels like the first act of a larger story anyway. So uh, yeah, it was like watching it for the first time again when I was watching this. Um, But I'm so glad Kristen's on the show because whenever I think of Scream, I think of Kristen, but every time I think of Kristen, I don't think of Scream. Oh, that's sweet. Because <laughs> otherwise, it'd be terrifying. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Every phone call you get from her, you just like, like ah. <laughs> <laughs> always in the middle of making popcorn. Uh, yeah. So the first time I saw Scream was also at Kristen's. Woo! I okay. So here's my background with Scream. Uh, prior to Scream, I watched Scary Movie in high school when scary movie first came out i was like guys this is the best movie ever (laughs) made it's parodying the genre of horror movies because at this point in time in my life i was really into horror movies like it's parodying the genre it's hilarious it's telling an original story i can't believe it then years later i watch scream i'm like oh my gosh this movie's amazing it's parodying the genre it's an original story it has all these references it's amazing 
I want to go back and watch Scary Movie. I watched Scary Movie and I didn't know for years of my life that Scary Movie literally like just shot for shot (laughs) recreated Scream, but just added jokes to it. I was like, oh no, I gave this movie so much credit. I thought it was so original and it just turns out I didn't see the movie that they were directly ripping off. Yeah, I've never seen Scary Movie, but I've seen Scary Movie 4 and I want to say 5. You guys do things in really weird orders. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, our almost uh, slogan for the podcast. We do things <laughs> in really weird orders. So like and subscribe. <laughs> so yeah, and it was really great uh, watching it this time. Uh, but before we do get into our reactions, I do want to share a couple of fun facts. Uh, I didn't know this, but the voice of the ghost face killer is a completely different person. It's not just mm-hmm. a voice modulated um you know, Shaggy and other guy it is actually an actor named uh, Roger L. Jackson. On set, they made sure that they never met him in person uh, and that they just interacted with his very creepy voice. In fact, uh, he was just on set calling from a cell phone like during the scenes or oh. while the scenes were happening. And oh, I just think that that's really interesting. I mean, good for him, because it, it's got to be difficult being the less famous L. Jackson in Hollywood. <laughs> it, it is. Um, and United these kids will appreciate this. You know what else he's the voice of? Mojo Jojo from the Powerpuff Girls. Anyone? Yeah. Any, okay. And he not just when we were growing up, he is consistently the voice of Mojo Jojo. Like every nice. incarnation, he comes back to do the voice. Oh, that's great. Uh, special effects artists used 50 gallons of blood, just in well, case you wanted to know. Not blood. Sorry. 50 gallons <laughs> of human blood. No, sorry. Like, uh, where did you get it? <laughs> no, 50 gallons of fake blood, I should clarify. And Linda Blair, who played Reagan in The Exorcist, Makes a cameo as one of the reporters uh, who asked Sydney, so how does it feel to be almost brutally murdered? <laughs> Linda Blair, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, she seemed uh, like the most tactless reporter. Well, besides that, Gail. I... <laughs> no, I stand by. <laughs> I, I didn't look it up. Was the, the janitor that was dressed like Freddy the actor that played Freddy Krueger? It was, fun fact, Wes Craven. Yeah. That was right? Yeah. Not now, Freddy. <laughs> Just like <laughs> If I ever make a cameo in the movie, that's what I want it to be. Just someone saying my name and be going, huh? Yeah. So Hollywood, if, you, if oh, you're looking nice. to put me in a movie. So now we're going to go ahead and go into our reactions of watching this movie. Um, the biggest thing that stands out for me when I watch this is how good it still is. Every mm-hmm. time. It's probably been probably at least two or three years since I've watched it. And it just is so compelling i love it and even though i know what's coming and i know a lot of the quotes it's still like intense and kind of scary and funny yeah i love it gosh i when i first saw this movie i was so impressed with it i had never seen any other horror movie like i want to say it might have been like 10 years after or more than 10 years after it originally came out and i watched like a lot of horror movies both good and bad but i was so impressed with this movie and i didn't realize it until i watched it but it's probably one of my favorite movies because i've seen it i think a total of three times because after i watched it uh 
I watched it again because my wife and I, we were really into watching series of films. So we watched all of the Final Destination movies and then we're like, well, let's watch all of the Scream movies. Uh, and four was out. So we watched all of them and it still just holds up so well because um, this will play into my headcanon later. But I I love how in the genre the movie is. Um, I love how it plays with every single convention that you think is going to happen. Cause it reminds me of like when we reviewed throw mama from the train, uh, it's like, Oh, I know this. It's like a thriller, like murder movie. And we know what's going to happen. And then they take that away from you. But then they also kind of still do it. And it's just like, there's so much tension because if all the rules are off, then anything can happen. It's just like, Oh, okay. Oh yeah. Never say I, I'll be back. And then they say, I'm like, no but you said it that means it has to <laughs> oh and like oh the tension like i saw it like i said i saw it three times but i still was like wait i i'm pretty sure i know who who did it right because they really make you guess the whole time it's just it's and the references to all the other movies are amazing and even the ways you know where she's like uh, you know, I hate scary movies. It's always some dumb girl running out the front door when she, or running upstairs when she should be running out the front door. And then that's what she does exactly. because she can't get out the front door. Oh, how about you, Grayson? Uh, yeah, so it, it's been long enough to where I did not remember most of the details about the movie, uh, like the fact that Henry Winkler's in it. Um, totally forgot about that. But I really enjoyed it. And I, I think a lot of people don't give this movie the credit it deserves. The attention to detail to not being a necessarily a parody of that genre, but knowing all the rules of the genre, both spoken and unspoken, and then executing them in uh, a way that feels true to the genre, but also unique enough to feel like it's worth watching and something different um, is amazing. But there, there's incredible detail. Like, I don't know if they did this on purpose. I'd like to think they did. But like that opening Drew Barrymore scene is 13 minutes to the second. Like, exactly 13 minutes. I was like, hmm, that seems maybe on purpose. Or, like, just the uh, metaphorical tension building with making the popcorn, how the state of the popcorn reflects the state and, like, drama of the scene. It's like, that is next level. Like, that's not a cheap, scary movie. This is, like, a thoughtful execution of a premise. Um, but they can still be super meta. It reminds me of like community episodes that really lean into a genre, but they lean into it so much that they just become a really great example of that genre. Uh, so that was fantastic. Um, I, I really enjoyed that. Most I just forgot the actors that were in it. I all, the only person I remember being in this was Drew Barrymore. That that's it. Oh, and even that I wasn't a hundred percent sure on. <laughs> well, you know who I was the most surprised to see that was in it? Uh, the guy who played Cotton. Lieb Shriver. Oh, yeah. yeah. I just wrote down in my notes, Lieb Shriver, because I always get his name wrong. Yeah, that was wrong. <laughs> it is Lieb Schreiber, which is difficult. And he's in the other but, ones. Yeah. So I, every time we do a series like this, I watch the movie that we agreed to watch. And then I watch the trailers for the ones after it. I'm like, oh, seems like he was a big part and i know i watched these three movies but i do not remember him i feel yeah. like i need to just watch all of them again oh absolutely it's uh it's definitely worth it because the second one uh gets 
more meta because there is a movie released about the events of the first movie. Referencing the conversation where they said, who will play you in the movie? Yeah, huh, probably oh. Tori Spelling. And Tori Spelling <laughs> is, oh yeah, I just love it. I love it. I had forgot about the whole 30 second delay in the van, which is such a great tension builder of knowing something that the other characters don't know. The dramatic irony there is incredible. And I was like, oh, why is that not a device that's just become commonplace? Because that seems like something that's like people in the genre would pick up and then reuse. And I mean, I guess to some degree they do, but not as clearly as it's executed here. Well, and even in like the tension of the moment, they forget it too. Mm. Like, oh, yeah. they're forgetting it, they're forgetting it, and it ruins their lives. <laughs> oh, also, when the making out is happening right <laughs> after the first scene, the song playing is Don't Fear the Reaper, otherwise known as the uh, cowbell song from SNL. No way, is it? Yeah. Yeah. Ah. Blue Oyster Cult. Oh, can I just point out a fake clue that got me? They show a close-up on the on the costume bag, and it says Father Death on it. And I was like, oh, that's like subtle enough, but also obvious oh. enough that maybe it was the dad, and I just don't remember. Oh yeah. They got me. I thought I thought that was really well done. Gosh. They got me. Man. Oh man. Ugh. Yeah. Okay. Great. Yes. Good. <laughs> I just love this movie so much. I'm trying not to just gush on about it because that's what the end of the show is for. I feel like Kristen is judging us for how little we remembered about this movie. No, it's better that way because when you watch it again, you enjoy it just as much. Yeah. Yeah. I wish I could watch every movie that way. And it's like brand new. Of like when you get to the end of the movie, it just says, would you like to remember or forget? And you're like, that was so good. I want to forget this movie so I can experience <laughs> it again. Yes. But then sometimes you want to be able to choose to remember it because on a rewatch, when you know things and you pick up other clues, that's really good for this movie also. Mm. When and then when you've watched it 20 times, you're like, you know what? I'm going to start over. Forget. Yes. Yeah. Somebody make that. Little brain implant. That doesn't sound scary at all. I just want to eternal sunshine, just the movie part. Yeah. The movie part of my brain, eternal sunshine. But, you know, if I movie parted my brain, eternal sunshine, I wouldn't remember eternal sunshine to make that reference or start that business where I implant. I love it. Chips and brains. It's simple. Not well, at least we know now what can be cut out of the episode. <laughs> all right. And now... It's time to scream our way down to Quote Corner. Ah! And we're here. <laughs> nice work. Thank you. That's good. Thank you. There's a lot of good quotes in this movie. Well, I just remember there were so many stew quotes that, like, in the halls in high school, people were all saying, like, liver alone. Get it? <laughs> liver. Liver alone. We all get it, stew. <laughs> we got it the first dozen times you said it. No, guys, I'm just kidneying. Kidney? It's not my best stuff. Sorry, I should have stopped the liver. <laughs> should have definitely stopped the liver. I also liked when I wrote down when they were, uh, when they arrested Billy and <laughs> the sheriff dumps out a bag and he says, 
what are you doing with a cellular telephone, son? One of my favorite. I wrote that down too. <laughs> and then for the rest of the movie, they say cellular. Oh yeah. All the time. Oh yeah. Um, I wrote down the line. Lately, we're sort of just edited for television. <laughs> okay. Billy's a creep, and I can't believe she dated him for two years prior to this. Maybe we take this relationship to like an HBO level because it's not TV, it's HBO. <laughs> I also liked how, I mean, Dewey is clearly portrayed as this like huge doofus, mm-hmm. but. He had a really smooth moment, I felt, when he's first talking to Gail. They're flirty a little, and he goes inside, and he turns around, and he's like, hey, I'm 25, but I was 24 for a whole year. Yeah, that's a good line. Because that was in her Target (laughs) demo. Yeah. Yeah. I do love Dewey. He's the other one that I remembered was in this movie, too, was David Arquette, and by extension. uh, Courtney Cox. I guess I remember Courtney Cox was in it, but it didn't really click. Dewey was fantastic because at first he had kind of a George McFly vibe. And then by the end of it, he had a straight up three billboards vibe. And I was like, all right, Dewey, show me what you got. (laughs) Um, I wrote down a quote that was not said on camera, but said through a loudspeaker by Henry Winkler, which is, remember, your principal loves you. No. I will not remember that. I will instantly forget it. (laughs) That's so good. I had another quote that was also said off camera. Uh, I don't even know what character said it. It was kind of unclear in the news uh, anchor kerfuffle that was happening outside the police station. But someone just yells, are there any more donuts in there? And it just stuck out to me. I've seen this movie so many times and I have never heard that before. The off-camera banter is fantastic in this movie. They do not waste a single moment. The last quote that I had is actually from the credits. And it is the final credit of the movie. And it says, No thanks whatsoever to the Santa Rosa City School District Governing Board. (laughs) Yeah, so apparently they were real hard to work with when securing the set. uh, Because there was like a murder in like, in that town or in a nearby town and so like r- like weeks before they were about to start production they had like an emergency town hall meeting to like say you can't film here and so they had to work real hard to actually get the production to still go because you know they secured the set and everything i think they had to move it oh did they i think that's why they were so bitter oh yeah no that sounds about right uh the one other quote i had was it's the millennium motives are incidental That really made me think whether or not it was true, and I think it is. (laughs) Also, I didn't realize they were claiming the millennium four years before it happened. Yeah, people were amped for it, I guess. I had no idea. I was just trying to learn my times tables around that era. You were young. I was a little one. I didn't even know what murder was. (laughs) (laughs) Hello? Who's this? You called me. Oh, I'm sorry. I just wanted to know who I'm about to launch my head cannon at. <laughs> head cannon. Head cannon is the part of the show where we share a few unique ideas about the movie and untold stories based on evidence provided by the film. So, um, I just want to get mine out of the way in case anyone else 
has headcanon that's better than it. Um, so here's my biggest headcanon. And this actually has to do with the whole horror movie genre. Um, Scream to me, and I haven't seen enough horror movies to claim this declaratively, but I'm gonna. It's our podcast. My headcanon is that every other horror movie that doesn't mention horror movies horror movies do not exist anytime i'm watching a horror movie my suspension of disbelief is on the level to which someone does something stupid that has happened in every single horror movie it's like let's go camping oh we don't get cell service like of course you don't because it's like you're in a horror movie and kind of like the uh I guess a spoiler for a completely different movie, uh, Cabin in the Woods. It's basically like a Cabin in the Woods where it exists in that world where all these tropes happen just because that material doesn't exist because it is the material. But uh, And this movie is in our world. It deals because it does a lot of... Uh, Raises nerd glasses. Does a lot of lampshade hanging. Uh, a writer's trick of dealing with any element of the story that threatens the audience willing suspense of disbelief. So I think by doing that, like it feels like it could happen in our real world. And that that's where this movie takes place. In our world. So Ghostface nice. could be outside right now. Don't say that. It's nighttime and I'm scared. I mean, they said they sell that costume at every costume shop in the area. And I've been to a costume shop, and I saw it Actually, there. he said every five and dime. Did he really? He did. Man, that guy says old things. <laughs> <laughs> My word, is that a cellular telephone? <laughs> How yeah. about you? What's your headcanon? Man, I got so many headcanons. I'm just trying to pick one. Oh. Uh, at one point, I thought, maybe this is all just part of the Jamie Kennedy experiment. <laughs> uh, well, that's the best headcanon. <laughs> Yeah, no one's going to top that. But ultimately, I got to go back to the tried and true fight club theory that Sydney is actually the killer. And I don't remember future movies, so maybe they touch on this. But just for this one movie, locking it down, um, the scene that made me think that was the terrible things that that horrible cheerleader says in the bathroom. Uh, where she basically lays out like, hey, what if Sydney killed those people and her mom's death made her go crazy? And I was like, okay, it's like maybe a red herring. But right after that conversation, the killer somehow appears in the stall, attacks her, and then doesn't chase her out. So there's an instance where she's the only one that sees the killer uh, you could probably disprove it with other scenes, but that idea from that scene alone uh, was interesting to me. But like, oh, it, I could have seen them try to pull that at the end and show us how, like, actually, we know it looked this way, but she was here the whole time and, and pull like a fight club type thing. So, um, yeah, to me, that, that's my headcanon, that Sydney was the killer and got away with it. Or you could even, if you're like, well, no, it's too compelling that the that the killers were who they were, that she was part of that crew and then turned on them uh, could also happen. That she agreed to do this and then uh, snapped, and this this is how she turned. So, Grayson, that's so convincing, it's scary. Thanks, man. No, yeah, that was really good. <laughs> Kristen, how about you? Well, let me tell you. When you asked me to be on this podcast, immediately I thought, 
headcanon is stressing me out. <laughs> I'm not going to have anything. And I basically have nothing. But a potential idea, what if the janitor that we looked at actually oh. was Freddy and somehow this is all connected to the nightmare movies? Whoa. That's all I got. That's really good. No, that's really good. I know, but y'all are good at like teasing it out and having more details and stuff, but we'll just leave it to everyone's imagination. No, I love that because... No, it's good. Well, because they ad they address the movies in that first scene, but it's not beyond belief that those events would happen and then they make movies based on the actual events. Oh, yeah. Or Freddy's influencing them somehow that he would put himself in there. Like Freddy would go up to Wes Craven's dream and say, like, hey, write this down. Oh, uh, so, ooh, ooh. so this guy. <laughs> read it back to me read it back uh no i i know exactly when the transition occurs it's when she falls asleep on the sofa and then wakes up and it's dark after that freddie has her i was trying to think about something like that oh, nice. teamwork yeah. teamwork we made it happen teamwork makes the headcanon work teamwork makes the nightmare work <laughs> that's better that's better now we're going to go into recasts and remakes. I am prepared for this. Good, because I am woefully unprepared on the recasting, but I got a remake. Well, I, I have a long like. cast list. Um, so Casey, our opening death, um, I was thinking of somebody who could have that sassy, sarcastic wordplay, but also would be really good at crying. And I thought Mae Whitman. Oh, I yeah. love her. She's the best at crying. Um, for Sydney, uh, we need somebody who's sweet but can also be believably tough. So I thought of Lily Reinhardt, who plays Betty Cooper on Riverdale. And I was trying oh. to keep with people who are actually pretty close to teenage, even though I don't know if any of them are. Actually, my Tatum is. Tatum, I said Yara Shahidi. Yes. From Blackish and Grownish because she is awesome. Oh, yeah. Um, for Gail, uh, I remembered reading that Courtney Cox wanted this role because it would kind of offset her nice image from Friends. And I think one of the nicest seeming people on TV shows that I watch is Gina Rodriguez from Jane the Virgin. And I think she could totally pull off this kind of tough reporter. You kind of don't like her, but also you kind of do vibe. Um, Randy, Cole Sprouse, because he can believably play someone who is in love with Lily Reinhardt. Um, Billy, you gotta go with somebody who's cute, but you also wouldn't be surprised when he kind of turns on his, uh, creepy white guy entitlement vibe. And I went with Timothy Chalamet. Oh, yeah. That's great. He just, he's even got the hair that kind of hangs mm -hmm. in his face like Billy. Uh, Stu... Tom Holland. Oh. I just love him. Oh. I mean, I kind of don't want to hate him in this movie, but I feel like he could do it. Um, Dewey, Donald Glover. He could be a total doofy cop, but also you could see Gail falling for him. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay. So Cotton, Cotton Weary, who's barely in this movie, but if we're thinking they're also going to remake the rest of them, he's going to be a bigger character. We got to cast him. Uh, so I was just trying to think of somebody dreamy. You know, because I think Cotton was supposed to be dreamy. So Idris Elba, because oh. he's the dreamiest. Yeah. Um, 
principal. So Henry Winkler, 70s, and then he, 70s sitcom star in a 90s movie. So we need a 90s sitcom star. So Matthew Perry. I hope you're taking notes, Miramax. <laughs> and then I have one more. <laughs> the janitor cameo. So this would maybe also be the director of the movie because that's what Wes Craven did. Um, I had two people who kind of change the horror genre but also handle humor well. Uh, either Joss Whedon or Jordan Peele. Oh, man, that'd be great. That's my cast. Oh, I'm so there for it. I have nothing. My cast is shredded up because (laughs) yours is so good. Yeah, that's really great. So if somebody out there wants to make like a cast poster or something with all those people, I'd be totally down to hang that on my wall. Yeah, send it to us uh, on our Twitter. We are at Flashback Flicks um, and hopefully a very high-res and print-outable version. That'd be great. Thanks. <laughs> I was going to try to justify just recasting from the Arrested Development cast, but that doesn't make any sense. I just want Ron Howard to narrate Scream. <laughs> that would be a much less scary movie. He's the yeah. killer. He wasn't. Okay, that's funny. So I know season five is supposed to be somewhat of a murder mystery anyway. So that's I think that's what went down. And then when I saw Henry Winkler, I was like, Perry Zuckercorn. Uh, but no, <laughs> that doesn't work. My remake would be just to take this whole thing and adapt it for a live show on ice called <laughs> We All Scream for Ice Scream. <laughs> All the skates are shaped like kitchen knives. And then maybe Margot Robbie could play Casey. Yeah. Oh, yes. It's hard to think of a remake that they haven't already done because each sequel kind of builds upon like what I would want it to be. And they even ended up making a TV series out of it, which I don't know how good it is or like what they covered. But that's like I just this movie's so good. Like I almost don't even want it to be remade. Like I just want to rewatch this version. Um but if they were to remake it, I would want to see another story that takes place in the world. So like Creed almost just like it's not about Rocky, but it's about another fighter who's associated. So I would love to see like another mystery happen <laughs> in the same world as Scream. Um, it doesn't yeah. even need to have to deal with the Ghostface Killer or anything like that. That's I just want to see a self-referential world where they are trying to solve these different mysteries that. Uh, I guess basically what I just described is Psych. I just want Psych to come back and make a comeback. Just references and solving murders. That's that's what I want. But your Creed analogy made me think that there's like the former killer is coaching a new killer. <laughs> like, I haven't stabbed anyone in 40 years. <laughs> okay, I have two questions for you guys. Where would Randy work? What would his job be if they made this movie today? Oh, gosh. Because there ain't oh, no more video Randy? stores. Oh. oh, Jamie Kennedy. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I When I watched this, this is how little I remember the cast. I watched this and saw him and go, man, that guy kind of looks like Jamie Kennedy. <laughs> <laughs> and he well, does. you weren't wrong. Yeah, he, he yeah. kind of looks like him. Uh, to answer your question, probably half price books. Oh, okay. That's my guess because they it's have a place where he could sell videos. They have a video section. I kind of thought yeah. he might have like a horror movie podcast. Yeah, I was thinking like a YouTube channel. Oh that yeah, kind of, yeah, YouTube channel. Okay, here's my other question: Who do you think had the best scream in the movie? 
I, I don't know if this qualifies as just like the best screen. I mean, she did have a really great screen, but her overall terror uh, drew Barrymore. Oh, yeah, she crushed it. Her like building terror. Because anyone else, a lesser actress, screaming the line, I have a boyfriend and he plays football, would have killed that scene dead. Like, just it would have been over and you would have lost the audience. But she sells it. Yeah, I would say, um, because I did definitely did research, uh, the actor who plays Sydney, uh, the main Nev person? Campbell. Nev, Nev Campbell. Campbell. Like I said, Nev Campbell didn't say anything else. Nev Campbell, I think, had probably the best scream. So you're saying Campbell's was mm, good? No! <laughs> <laughs> Worth it! Uh, my favorite scream is Casey, Drew Barrymore's character's mom. Oh. When she sees her, yeah. it's rough. And honestly, and this is something that I meant to say earlier, those first 13 minutes, if you were to tell me like that was it, like roll credits, Whole movie. just a short film, sold. Stunning. I would have paid full ticket prices. Nay, I would pay mm-hmm. full 3D price. Nay, I would pay California full 3D Whoa. price. You just- go too far, good <laughs> sir. Just but to yeah. watch those first 13 minutes. It's so good. And so now we're going to go into our final segment where we give you our reasons to recommend. So, Kristen, you are our guest. So you will go first. Uh, why would you recommend the movie Scream? It's amazing. It totally holds up. I hope if you've made it this far in the podcast, you've actually already seen it once. Um, but it is awesome to rewatch also once you know what's going on. You kind of watch the little interplay between the different people, catch their little clues that maybe they're the ones doing it. Um, And it also can give you a great list of other scary movies to investigate. Watch some Psycho, watch Halloween, Friday the 13th. I I don't know how, but our guests always give very brief, they're so much better at this than we are. Reasons to recommend. I would, I would listen to a podcast of just our guests. <laughs> I would too. Uh, so, Grayson, why would you recommend Scream? Uh, I So we've talked about this in the past where you have to love a, a thing to parody a thing. And uh, like I, I don't consider this a true parody. I mean, if anything, it's like an homage because you can, you can tell that they really love a thing. And it inspired the way that they went about it. But they made something unique in their own right. Um, like Scream isn't isn't like Scary Movie. Scary Movie is intentionally a lampoon on this genre. This is like we recognize the genre. Uh, we know all the rules. And we're going to use that to give you a twist ending, to, to elevate the stakes. Um, even the, the second and third movies from rewatching the trailers for those movies uh, and the fourth movie... Uh, they they continue that idea of we're going to like set the rules, then we're gonna like stretch the rule, we're gonna break the rules, and then they're like no rules, and they they know them like they are students of this genre. So um, if you love movies, which you you probably do if you're listening to this podcast, this is a great movie for people who love movies, and that's that's why I recommend it um, because you're able to like also enjoy a thing but then also get a a fresh experience from it and if you haven't seen it in a long time like me maybe you don't know the ending so rewatch it and see if you still remember courtney cox (laughs) trying to make people believe courtney cox is the killer you're doing it so i'd recommend this movie uh (laughs) 
because it is a love letter to the horror movie genre. It is a textbook example of how to tell compelling stories that like have you very involved and guessing like there are no wasted scenes there's no wasted dialogue like every there any donuts in there <laughs> every everything <laughs> is important and ties in uh to the story and i love it i wish more movies took this approach not necessarily just like being completely self-referential but like to have you guessing literally every single person? Just like, who's the killer? Are they? Am I the killer? Like, what? I could just. Uh, I'd recommend it for that. If you haven't seen it in a while, definitely worth a watch. Um, and if if you haven't screamed in a while, just just do that. Let it out. Let it out. And I'll say this too, because we all referenced how much it references other things, but I also truly think. You will enjoy this movie if you've never seen another scary movie. You don't have to get all the references. It doesn't matter. It's still just good on its own. Yeah, it's rare that a movie is so deep into a genre while also being accessible. Um, Because, if yeah, you're right. If you haven't seen the other, like, reference material, they give you a really easy on-ramp to be like, oh, I understand what this is supposed to be. Um, And they kind of, like, set the rules so that they can break the rules. All right, so that is our review of Scream. Let us know what you remember about Scream on Twitter. We are at Flashback Flicks. Uh, and let us know what your favorite scary movie is. Huh? Huh? Because it's... And... <laughs> no, but really, I'd be interested to know. And it would, we would also love it if you... Uh, gave us a rating and review on apple Podcasts. it really helped the show out uh if you rated this podcast and this review specifically on a scale of one to five screams five being the best and one being not great Mm. because you're screaming you're screaming once screaming five times they're happy screams yeah they have to be happy screams right like on a roller coaster yeah like ah Ah! so yeah yeah that works like like you went to five surprise parties and five surprise parties are better than one it's true yeah it's true kristen thank you so much for joining us uh is there any place that you'd like people to follow you on the internet you can follow me on instagram if you are interested in funny pictures and stories about my nieces and nephews or what books i'm currently reading those are my biggest things uh at kristen hines Real clever. You can find her uh, links in the show notes. And Kristen, thank you so much for sharing this scary movie experience with all of us. Thanks for having me. And be sure to tune in next time right here on the Flashback Flix Retro Movie Podcast. Until then, remember to be kind and rewind. Next time on the Flashback Flix Retro Movie Podcast, we take a rampage out of the 90s and review the 1997 movie, George, George, George of the Jungle. Watch it for next week.